Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Today, a man that grew up in Wakala County and is now ministering, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say this, all over the world. i got to start working out with weight. And so, Kevin, would you join me on stage? This is Kevin Mullins. He, he's got an amazing ministry. Uh, grew up in this county, got saved here, family here. Uh, God called him into the ministry. Uh, would you uh, just address the congregation for a few moments? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what God's doing. Oh, Lord. It's an honor to be here at River of Life. Give yourself a good hand. Amen. Well, for many of you, I don't think I'm much of a stranger to, and it's an honor to be here with the man of God that covers you. Isn't a blessing to have someone you can depend on that when they say they're praying for you, you know that they are. I was thinking as they were singing there about belonging to God, and I thought to myself, how many people that have come and been baptized, probably at your hands, laid on, prayed for, had some sort of impartation in your life, and yet many of us this morning, although some of us have spent our entire lives calling ourselves believers, calling ourselves Christians, maybe even being a member here at River of Life or being connected or partnered to this ministry, and yet for so many of us, we still struggle with an identity crisis. You know, Pastor Jones was talking about ministering all over the world. I don't know that that was ever the intent. I obviously grew up here my entire life. I graduated here. And God has a way, I think, of awakening destiny inside of you as long as you understand that when God opens doors, you got to be willing to acknowledge the doors that are shut and you got to be willing to run through the ones that are open. If you'd have told me I'd have been writing books or making movies in Hollywood that would be played at local screens like Tallahassee or perhaps traveling, as you said, around the world. I've probably preached in and out of about 70 plus different countries these days. And I don't know that that was ever on the to-do list. I don't know that anybody would have ever thought that of me in high school. I definitely was a hellion. <laughs> there's anybody here that taught me in school, I apologize now. But, uh, but, 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 but believers really do struggle with an identity crisis. And what's amazing to me about that is as I travel the world and oftentimes as I conduct conferences or I preach uh, at leadership conferences or at different types of seminars or symposiums, I have people that are privately come to me and they'll say, Kevin, I want mentorship or Kevin, I really struggling internally with who I am or what my destiny is. And I oftentimes tell people that God can't help you with your destiny issues until he first helps you with your identity issues. For many of you, you're living like an outsider, yet you're partnered with the King of Kings. I'll hear many people say stuff like, well, you know, we're just, we're just subjects in his kingdom. And although that sounds like a very humble thing to say, yet it's also completely un unscriptural because not one place do I find in the Bible where Jesus ever called himself the King of Subjects. No, 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 that's not what he called himself. You're not just a mere subject involved in God's kingdom as one that has to live like a stepchild or an outsider, but he called himself king of, come on, you ain't with me this morning. He called himself king of kings. 
When you identify your kingdom identity, people that struggle with an identity crisis within the body of Christ also struggle with an inventory crisis. When you struggle with an inventory crisis, you fail to recognize all that you have access to. We'll call him Father, but the very word Father means source. May I say it like this this morning to the river of life, congregation and body of believers. If you call him Father, have you yet discovered everything that you have access to? When you understand everything that you have access to, you'll no longer walk around like Gideon when God says, I call you warrior. And he says, who, me, Lord? I'm just a nobody, Lord. I'm just down here in the wine press hiding from the enemy. Lord, it's not my job. And many of us even spend a a, a remaining time of our life, oftentimes even locally, will complain about things we don't like. Yet when you identify who you are in the presence of God, much like David, the children of Israel, when they saw Goliath, the Bible says that they, they cowered down under a spirit of fear. They allowed one man's tyranny to hold an entire country subject because they overlorded them with words and with fear tactics. And when you give way to the spirit of fear, you fail to recognize all that God has called you to be. But the Bible says David, he had a different type of spirit. When David saw Goliath, the Bible says he ran towards him. And I'm here to tell you that when you understand who you are and whose you are, you no longer run from the obstacles. You run towards the mountains because you realize that the things that God has promised you, the rewards, the benefits for being a part of his kingdom are not are, are not just uh, waiting uh, for, for you on a far off distant shore. We don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience the benefits of heaven. We can experience them there here on earth. And so I want to leave you with this so that you'll understand the power of God's creation in your life. You know, most of us spend our entire life quoting the Lord's Prayer. I can remember many times playing high school football, Pastor Henry, and you would come, whether it be an FCA meeting or whether it be the school, and you'd lead us in that prayer. Or we as young men or young women at different sporting events, we'd learn that prayer at a very early age. And oftentimes, many of us have said that prayer, but we've almost recited it to the point. It's more like a Sunday school prayer, not recognizing the authority that we have that when we come to God because we're part of him he's obligated to answer the prayer that you have this thing even this morning that we talked about talking about cancer none of us in this place has ever had something in our life that we have not been culprit to or someone in our family has been subjugated to but when we understand that we've got the blood of Jesus Christ and that we've got the name of Jesus Christ we can come to him boldly recognizing nothing is impossible to those that believe And so I want you to think about this. We pray that prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. Oh, my goodness. Think about this. Thy will be done, where, church? On earth as it is in heaven. On, help me with this, on earth. You don't have to go limping into heaven, battled and wounded and scarred, saying, thank God we made it. (laughs) Here on, y'all ain't listening, here on earth. Thy will be done. Watch, there, 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 there's no sickness in heaven. By the way, there's no poverty in heaven. There's no anxiety or depression there. It means that on earth, thy will be done. Where on earth? Now, I want you to think about this. For those of you that are struggling with an identity crisis this morning, if I were to say to you, where did God make us out of? Well, what substance did God make man out of? He said he made us in his image, but what did he make you out of? The Bible says that he reached down and pulled up a handful of clay. Out of the earth, he made you and I in his image. 
That means that we're the offspring of God. If you just understood that you were the royal seed of God, you'd never live like an outsider again. You would recognize that in your presence as a son and daughter of God, I have full access to the inventory of heaven. And if I were to say to you, where did God put all the gold? He put it in the earth. Where did he put all the silver? He put it in the earth, Pastor Henry. Where did he put platinum? He put it in the earth. Where did he put oil? He put it in the earth. Where did he put all of the wealth that was ever contained that you and I would even use as resources in our current economy? All of the wealth that was ever given to mankind was placed in the earth. And then God, watch God, watch the sovereignty of God, reached down and made you and I out of the earth. May I ask it like this this morning? If all of the wealth that was ever done was treasured in the earth and God made you out of the earth, maybe we could say it like this. The full inventory of heaven is residing inside of you and I. And when we identify that it's there, you'll realize that faith is not something that is coming to you. Destiny is not an external issue. It's not something you get off of social media post or a YouTube post. Destiny is already written into your DNA. And when you understand faith is what's coming out of you, you'll never live like an outsider again you'll be thankful for what God's done thank you Pastor Henry I love you brother I love you God bless you God bless you I I believe he can preach yeah we'll have him back next time he uh, passes through and just turn him loose and so uh That'll be awesome. But I got to be honest, uh, had I known he was going to do such a good job, I would never have asked him to speak before I preach. (laughs) It's lackluster from this point on, I'm I'm telling you. 17 years ago, my wife and I went to Cali, Colombia. Uh, We made the journey in support of our daughter and son-in-law. They were adopting their second child, Michael. It it was not our first trip to Colombia. We had been down to Colombia a couple years before in the adoption of Zeb, our oldest grandchild. But I have to tell you, I was so looking forward to going back to Cali, Colombia, because stuck in my memory was something about the city of Cali that was just so amazing. You see, Cali, Colombia is a city of about 3 million people located in what's known as the Cauca Valley. Cali is in a valley with mountains on both sides. Now, high up on the mountain on the northwest side, of Cali, there is something that the locals call Las Tres Cruces, the three crosses. And the center cross is 85 feet tall. And the two other crosses are 72 feet tall. But because of their elevation on the mountain, they tower over the city at almost 5,000 feet elevation. And I have to tell you, when I looked at those crosses, I was just, I was taken back. Uh, This city wakes up every morning, as it were, at the foot of the cross. 
I, I've seen a lot of crosses in my lifetime, but I have never seen crosses that impacted me as much as these three crosses. And, and believe it or not, the name of the mountain where the crosses stand is called the beautiful mountain. When I think of how he came so far from glory to dwell among the lowly, such as I, oh, to suffer shame and such disgrace on Mount Calvary, take my place. Then I ask myself this question, who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would pray, not my will thine far? The answer I may never know. Why he ever loved me so, that to an old rugged cross he would go, for who am I? Oh, friends, I get it. It makes sense to me. Three crosses on the beautiful mountain. Child of God, I ask you today, could there be a symbol more precious and more beautiful for those of us who believe than the cross? The cross represents the greatest love story ever told. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I couldn't wait to get back to Cali to gaze upon those crosses. Now, if that were not enough, and I know it's almost hard to believe, but if that were not enough, on the other side of the city, high on the mountain, there is what they call Christ the King. That's a crystal ray is what they say, Christ the King. It is also a statue that stands 85 feet tall. It's also at an elevation of almost 5,000 feet. And it is a statue of Jesus with his arms stretched wide, looking out over the city. And when I saw it, I couldn't help but think, that of that verse where Jesus said, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Here it is, a bustling city between Christ and the crosses. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, no advertisement that I've ever seen is this big. No billboard this big. It's bigger than life. The Christ and the crosses are towering over this city, shouting, a king died for you. That's, that's what it says. Every little boy and every little girl, every day growing up in that city between Christ and the crosses. And, and not to mention the beautiful churches and the beautiful cathedrals that are pointing toward heaven. You would think it would be one of the most spiritual places on earth, but it is not. Seventeen years ago, when we went down, we were at Chikatina's orphanage, and Beth and I were there, and Lee and Carolyn, and Zeb was just a little toddler, and they walked out that day, and when they placed Michael in the arms of Carolyn, and it was such an emotional moment for us. I mean, we were smiling and laughing and crying all at the same time. And it was quite an ordeal. 
Uh, we had the head of the orphanage there. Uh, there was a doctor there to check her out. There was a lawyer there to make sure everything was done properly. So here we are, <clears throat> our family and these people, a few nurses were around. And I explained to them that we do a lot of praying and that in our culture, when God does something good for you and blesses you, you thank him. And, and I stepped out on faith. It was a little uncomfortable for me being in another country, but I, I stood up and I said, let's join hands. And we all got in a circle and we joined hands and I prayed. And I have to tell you, I was very disappointed with my prayer because it, they, I, I just felt like I was stumbling. But, and when I finished praying and I went home or went back to the hotel, I thought I didn't do a very good job with that prayer. But the next day, I don't remember if it was the doctor or the lawyer, said to Carolyn, yesterday, when your father prayed, she said, I was amazed. She said, your father prayed like he actually knows God. Your father prayed like he knows him personally. Now, I've got to tell you, I never forgot those words, and that's such a strange statement to make, that your father actually prayed like he knows God. But that has stuck in my memory all of these years, for some 17 years. I've meditated on it. I've thought about it. And, And friends, the conclusion I've come to is this. If it is possible in a city like that for them to have all the drapings of religion but have no concept of a personal relationship, then we too better be careful. We better watch ourselves because in the end, we're no different from them. You, You see, believers, believers... We have to be very careful. I'm talking to believers now. We have to be very careful that we don't settle into religion where we don't have a genuine relationship with the Lord. We have to be careful that we don't settle in to discipline where we're disciplining ourselves to do certain things, but it never moves to true discipleship. And we have to be very, very careful that we don't become committed to the things of the Lord and get settled in that commitment but never move on to intimate communion with the Father. You see, God wants us to have communion with Him. I I wish I had time to look up every one of these scriptures and, and give you a reference. I can do that later, but friends, all through the Bible... God lets us know that he wants communion with us. It all began in the Garden of Eden, where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And that was before they sinned. And when they sinned, it broke that fellowship. And from that time on, the whole redemptive story has been about God renewing that intimacy and that fellowship that that was lost. That's what the story of the Bible is all about. Think about scriptures. In the New Testament, it says, draw nigh to God and he will. Do you understand that? Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. You know what God is saying? If you'll take a step, if you'll make an effort, 
If you'll just engage, if you'll just step out in the right direction, God says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Why? Because God desires communion and fellowship with us. All through the Bible, Old and New Testament, the Bible teaches us that that God wants us to seek him, to search for him, to look for him. And and then God says, if you will do this, and it's repeated many times, he says, "I'll I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Wow. Uh, One time in the New Testament, he says, I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the, the Lord God Almighty. This is not about religion. This is about a relationship. This is not about religion. This is about a family. It's about being in a family of faith. And boy, doesn't this feel like family here. Man, it's what, it's what God intended. And then there's that passage of Scripture. Listen, there's that passage of Scripture that I think we misinterpret just a little bit. It's a very famous passage of Scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. I'll, I'll have dinner with you, if you please. Now, we use that verse in soul winning, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but that's not at the heart of that verse. Go back and read it in context. Jesus was talking to the churches of that day. And he was saying, I'm on the outside and I'm knocking on the door. I want you to invite me to come in. I, I, I want to dine with you. I want to commune with you. I want to, I want us to be up close and personal. I don't want you inside the church doing whatever you do and me being outside the church. I don't want you to keep me at arm's distance. Jesus was saying, I want to come in close. That's what he was saying. And then there's that passage in the New Testament that says we were called. Child of God, you want to know what you were called for and called to? It says we are called into the fellowship of his son. Isn't that amazing? And then in John the 14th chapter, and I'm just hitting these fast. But in John the 14th chapter, Jesus makes this amazing statement. You can read it for yourself. Basically what he says is if you have my commandments, that means you love me. If you have my commandments and you keep them, that means you love me. It also means my Father will love you. And it also means that I will love you. And then Jesus puts the capstone on it. He said, and I will manifest myself to you. Did you know the Christian life should be a life where the Lord is constantly manifesting himself to us? He just keeps showing up. There's an intimate communion and God keeps showing up. When Paul closed out the letter to 2 Corinthians, he said, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. He prayed for there to be communion. Now, throughout the whole Bible, and, and, and we could look at more, but throughout the whole Bible, the Bible keeps telling us religion is not good enough. It's not, discipline is not good enough. Commitment is not good enough. That God wants communion out of us. That's what he wants. Now, I want to confess to you that I fear that too many times in my life, probably more times than I realize, that I've had 
more religion than relationship. And I stand before you to get real honest with you today. Right now, this very day, it is easier for me to drift into commitment than it is to maintain communion. I guess it's because of my fallen nature that seems to follow me around. Paul struggled with that. But here's what I know, friends. I know that it is my desire to be in communion with him. And I do not want to be like a city that has all the beautiful images, but has very little personal relationship. By the way, I called my friend in Cali, Columbia and told him what I was preaching today. I said, am I making a, is it an overstatement today? He said, oh no, it's an understatement. He said, the city is extremely religious, but there's very little concept at all about a personal relationship with the Lord. I thought it would be appropriate today before we celebrate communion if we had an opportunity to renew our communion. So what we're going to do in just a few moments, uh, Carolyn, you're going to come back uh, and play. And as we do the invitation, but we're going to open the altar. Now listen carefully because I want you to hear my words. This is an opportunity, if you know you're a child of God, to get on your knees and just renew your communion. Notice I did not say renew your commitment. Can I tell you that no commitment you ever make matters a hill of beans if it doesn't get you to communion? Commitment by itself is not what God wants. I remember the first time I was slain in the Spirit. By the way, I didn't even believe in being slain in the Spirit when I was slain in the Spirit. Uh, I didn't even believe in it. But I was over that Brownsville revival and Steve Hill laid hands on me and I ended up on the floor. And I remember this was my whole Baptist background and I love the Baptist. My whole Baptist background. I was there and I was, I was just, I was just felt like I was being suspended. It was such a beautiful experience. I knew I was having a, a, a spiritual experience. And, and I remember whispering these words, Lord, if you will help me, I will make a commitment to you. That's what my training was. You're having a spiritual experience, you make a commitment. I said, God, I'll make a commitment to you. And the only words I remember hearing from the Lord on the floor that day, other than just the sweet, holy presence of the Lord just washing over me, I heard the Lord say to me, I don't want a commitment out of you. I want you. There's a difference in making a commitment and giving yourself to the Lord. There's a difference. God wants you. I want to read one verse. This comes out of Hosea 6, 6, and it's in a paraphrase, but listen to this. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Oh, friends, this is all about communion. Would you bow with me? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, 
then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.